Digito Marketus. This is a species of primate known generically as digital marketers. During the day, its natural habitat is tall square nests built for it called offices. These are social animals that travel in groups called apartments. They work alongside other species, such as Neandersales and Blockus ITS. This clever species forages through forests of audiences, dining primarily on the fruit of the prospect tree, which they share with the symbiotic species Neandersales. The species is known for working in places with scarce resources. They've evolved to flourish with very little. As such, they must be highly creative and they must be efficient. They're advanced enough to use tools that help them make fewer mistakes, giving them time for more creative pursuits. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probable that you're digital marketists or you're managing a department of them. My guest today studies this species for a living, and surprise, she actually is a member of Digital Marketus. Lindsay Chepkema is Director of Marketing for the Americas at Emarsis, a marketer who markets to marketers. Welcome to Intended Consequences, a podcast from Conversion Sciences. I'm Brian Massey, and I believe that anyone is capable of using behavioral science to predict the success of their marketing campaigns. Marketing magic is real, and I'll teach you how to harness it. Today on Intended Consequences, we come to understand how this fascinating species, Digital Marketus, walks the line between creativity and efficiency, between crayons and spreadsheets, design and databases. We'll talk about how she uses marketing stacks to create stacks of cash. We want to lure digital marketers out of its nest using a trail of pens and thumb drives and t-shirts emblazoned with corporate logos and ask some important questions. What is it that drives your creativity? What are the roots of your experience that led you into this role? And how do you balance this creative desire with the need to be efficient and data-driven? On every episode of this podcast, we give you one technique to challenge you as a marketer, as a manager, or a business owner. Now, before we jump into asking questions, I want to ask that you actively participate in this conversation. What I mean by that is, while I'm asking Lindsay questions, I want you to ask yourself those questions. For example, when it comes to marketing, what does success mean for your organization? And to dig even deeper, Lindsay and I go into this question of why is it that marketers seem to struggle to get to that next level of success? Are you struggling? This conversation with Lindsay will start with me first asking how she measures success. We look at traffic, engagement, um, are people finding us? Are people coming to our site? Are people coming to our content um, when they get there? Are they converting? So traffic and then conversions into leads. Mm -hmm. um, and then are those leads turning into opportunities for our sales team? So it's kind of that, is that traffic converting? And when they convert on our site, are they converting to opportunities for the sales team? Got it. Got it. So, um, can you tell me about a specific campaign or a redesign or something? Um, in, in your case, it might be a content campaign that you've done where you had the intended consequences, where you said, we're going to 
publish these uh, elements digitally and we are going to uh, enjoy the fruits and that's exactly what happened. Can you give me a specific idea? Sure. Well, there's something that we're um, still in the midst of. It's this whole idea of rethink your tech stack, right? So one of the messages that we're getting out there uh, on behalf of Amarsis and that I'm extremely passionate about because I've experienced it firsthand as a marketer is that, I, I don't know if you've experienced this, Brian, but there's been this question lately about, hey, what's, your, what's in your tech stack? And mm -hmm. when somebody asks me that, they're really saying, what are you doing? What's your strategy? What does marketing look like for you? And to me, that's always gotten under my skin because, you know, it's, I, I'm not a marketer because of the technology. I'm a marketer because I like everything we just talked about. I want to connect people. I want to, you know, give, get people the resources or tools or information that they need to be more successful, not use technology, right? That's not why I'm doing this. So to my glee, um, Amarsis uh, aligns with that too. And they say, hey, yeah, we have, we create our product is technology, but we actually see it as something more than that, as something bigger than that, as something that helps marketers be, be creative, be more strategic and more creative. And we're providing them the tools to do that. So it's not about our technology, it's about the marketer. And so we created this content called, you know, around this concept of rethink your tech stack. It's, it shouldn't be about your tech stack. It should be about you being a marketer and then, and then what tools will help you do that. So we created a white paper around that, um, some supplemental content, um, put together a deck that I've presented a couple of times. And the response that we're getting so far is, is, uh, is great marketers are starting to be like, yes, you, you get it. You know, when I was presenting it one time, there were lots of nodding heads and people came up to me afterwards and they're like, yeah, you, you get it. And that's, that to me is a, uh, is a huge success. That's the feedback that we're looking for is empathizing with the marketer, not just for the sake of empathizing, but to say, Hey, you know, we really do get it. And that's why we're creating the products. Um, that we and is that, is that white paper or gated content? Yes. It is. So you do have a measure of, of how uh, how many people are engaging with it, how many people are at least completing the form so that they can read that. Exactly. So you've got something that allows you to measure your success. Okay, great. Yep. yep, and then we've got some blog posts, some ungated content that people could find via search or you know, or promoting on social media that they can, it gives them a taste of that content. And we say, so download the, the full white paper, go here. And then they have an opportunity, of course, to complete the form and get that white paper. Got it. Okay. So what I'd like to do is flip it around. Can you, are you willing to share with us maybe a campaign where you had some unintended consequences? There was a topic that we were certain was going to resonate with our audience. Um, we were all excited about it. It was around, you know, some wording that we were like, oh yeah, this is absolutely going to, this is going to hit it out of the park. People are going to see it and they're going to say, yes, we get it. This is, this is right along the lines of something that I'm dealing with right now. And so we put it out there into, we put it out into the universe and we did all the things. We did all the promotion and we, um, you know, promoted it with, put some paid behind it, we promoted it on social and did some organic and obviously it was all optimized for search and everything. And it just, I mean, it wasn't a complete flop, but it was kind of, we kept checking the numbers and it's like, well, really? That's, that's where, but did you check it this way? Are we missing it somewhere? And, um, you know, that, that's interesting. And after, a few weeks, we just kind of realized, wow, that, that just didn't resonate. Is there something you could have done differently such that you didn't have to go through all the optimization, launch, and promotion? 
I think, yeah, I mean, obviously there's, there's for sure things that we could have done differently. Um, obviously testing, I think as marketers, we always are, um, in a hurry. Right. And I don't, I don't think that that campaign was particularly hurried, but in an ideal world, I think that it would have been nice to slow down a little bit and test out some titles, test out some ads, test out some, some of the promotion, um, which we did over time, but it was after we always already realized like, wow, this isn't really resonating the way that we thought it would. So we, we tested, but it was kind of reactively instead of proactively. And I think we definitely learned from that over time, which is, I think this last one that I was speaking out about with the rethink your tech stack was was much more successful yeah and i think that that is um, one of the false promises of digital it's so easy to to create things that are digital we can change the words and add images and even add video and stuff like that so easily that it almost feels like it's easier just to go ahead and launch it to see if it works rather than test alternatives before we launch I would gather uh, that if you're like most marketing departments, you're wearing a lot of hats and that your team is doing a lot with mm -hmm. limited resources and that time is of the essence. Mm -hmm. Is that fairly true? It's absolutely true. Yeah. There's a, what's the saying that there will never be, there will always be more, more ideas than there is time to execute. Um, I mean, our team, I will brag about them all day long. I mean, it, it's, I work with some of the most talented people <laughs> that I've ever, that I've ever had the opportunity to work with. I work with right now and, um, you know, we have great resources and we have a great product and we have great things to talk about. And, you know, there's no shortage of ideas, but there's always a shortage of time. And we're, we're an ambitious bunch trying to achieve big things. Right. And so it's, we get ourselves worked up quickly and we get ourselves um, over capacity quickly. Um, and I, I don't think that we're unique in that. I think that lots of marketers are ambitious and you combine that with being under pressure to perform and to deliver. And like you said, that's, that's the whole thing about digital is that everything is measurable, right? Mm -hmm. And so trying things um, is hard because it's like, wow, well, that's going to take time mm -hmm. and it might not work. And then what do we do? Then we've lost time and it didn't work. I think, I think a lot of marketers experience that. Why is that such a, a theme? So I could, I could make up that it, marketing directors just aren't good at getting budget or they're not good at making the case for the value of marketing. Or I, I love a new spin for me, but we just have more ideas and we have manpower and mm -hmm. you could add a thousand people to the marketing department and you would have a thousand times more ideas. And so it's not going to solve the problem. But why is it that marketing departments don't seem to get the budgets and the, the people and the resources that they need to do what they're doing? It's interesting because I mean, I feel like we have, it depends on who I talk to. Sometimes I tell people, you know, how many people we have doing certain things or uh, either part of the global marketing org or part of our team that we have in Indy. And um, they're either like, wow, that's it. Or they're like, wow, that's so many. And so it's all relative, right? And to your point, it, it will never be enough. I mean, if we, gosh, I saw the stats on I think I'm going to be your worst, your worst interviewee right now because I, I can't remember what company it was about and I can't remember the number, but I saw the stats recently for a company um, and the size of their marketing org. And I was just like, it was, I think it was like 12,000 or 1200 people. It's like, that's an, that's an entire company of marketers and um, what in the world I could do with that. But I guarantee that even that company is also, you know, never short on ideas 
never short on, on KPIs that they need to execute, uh, but they're always short on time and they're always short on resources and they're always short on budget because with resources, with what you have, there will always be an equal amount what you're expected to do with it. So if you have, I mean, I, like I said, I've been a, a team of one and the expectations for what I was to deliver, I mean, this was a long time ago. <laughs> this is like 15 years ago. And uh, what I was expected to deliver completely by myself with literally zero budget was more than I could do. And, you know, here I am in a global organization with a nice large team and we've got budget to work with and we've got support and, you know, there's still, there's still always more to do. And so, I don't know, I think that there's just, it all rises with the tide, right? No matter what you have, there's always a little bit more expected. And sometimes, depending on where you are, there's way more expected um, than what you can deliver. That's a pretty bleak picture. There's like, there's, <laughs> there is no hope. There will be no point in which we have people like, oh, I don't have anything to do this afternoon. I think I'll, uh, I think I'll go dive into analytics or something. Yeah, yeah. It's just not going to happen in marketing, huh? Well, I think, you know, what, what this, where I thought you were going to go with this question is like, was basically, you know, why is it that, that marketers are, are always kind of struggling to get to that next level of, uh, like success and like mm -hmm. why do some things work and some things don't. And one thing that I know we've talked about before and that we're really, we're talking about all the time at Amarsis and I know you're talking about all the time is like, how can marketers leverage data? I mean, we, what used to be was that, you know, we had to go off instinct and we have to, had to go off our gut. And I remember reading a book called steal these ideas <laughs> because that's all you had. You had to look at your competitors and what are they doing and how can we, how can we either do what they're doing or do something different? And what's the market doing and what's, what's Apple doing and how can we possibly apply what they're doing to what we're doing? And, and what's my gut tell me? And yeah, those are all still relevant, but now we have this magical thing called data. We all have it. It used to be something that was really a luxury only afforded by the massive enterprises. But now, you know, those tiny little companies too also have data. And the, and the problem is how do we as marketers tap into it? Because there's no shortage of data, just like there's no shortage of ideas. But we as marketers have a really hard time. Oh, not always, but a lot of marketers have a really hard time leveraging that data um, and applying it to our campaigns. If you were to spitball the amount of time you spend or your team spends looking at results of campaigns, looking at the data, um, you know, you'd hinted that uh, maybe we could look at this a different way, um, mm -hmm. which is both great and also a great source of confirmation bias when we find the data <laughs> that supports what we hope would happen. But how much, how would you say that breaks out now? And is it something that's, is it changing? Is it growing or shrinking? Uh, I think it's always growing. At least I hope it is. Um, I don't know if I can put a timestamp on it because it's it's a little bit of something that we're all always doing. Like I'm looking at the numbers weekly. Uh, we get a report that says, you know, how are things performing um, broadly? And then there's people on my team who really, really dig into it from a conversion standpoint. There's people who really dig into it from an SEO and search standpoint. There's people digging into it and looking at, you know, how's the podcast performing? How, how are our blog posts performing? Um, and then of course we have a sales team that we, we work really closely with to say, you know, what's more qualitatively, what's resonating? What kind of feedback are you getting? Hey, hey, SDRs, what's piquing the interest of people? What's getting people to take your calls? What's getting people excited about taking meetings? How can we lean into that some more? So I don't know if it's a amount of time or a ratio that I can give you, but it's it's a part of some of everything we do and a part of everything 
that we more and more that we want to do moving forward. Great. Great. So there are a few themes that we have here with um, the intended consequences podcast. And so I wanted to uh, get, I guess, a check on how important uh, and how impactful these issues are within your team. So how big a deal is um, executive input on your campaigns? Is that a big issue in your organization? Not really. I mean, it's not like when, you know, before we launch something, we get a bunch of people jumping in and saying, wait, 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 wait. That said, I think every company has people, you know, when you're a leader, when you're someone in a leadership position, you probably have opinions, strong opinions, and we're not exempt from that. And so it's typically after a campaign is out there in in the universe. And so we'll get some feedback that says, hey, you know, maybe the product isn't represented quite the right way or quite the way we want it to, or not this aspect of it is the way that, that we would like. And we try really hard to say, okay, great. You know, thanks for that. We can, um, and some of the supplemental content or some of the ads moving forward, maybe we can, there's an opportunity to, to look at it from a different angle, or mm-hmm. we'll get something from the sales team or from people who are more client facing that say, you know, this, this is great, but it's not really the issue that we're hearing. Um, didn't fully capture the, the reasons people say no, or the reasons people say yes. We say, okay, that's great feedback. And so honestly, Brian, when, when I get feedback, um, as long as it's constructive, I love it because it's, that's data. Right. And so it's one thing if, you know, in any part of our lives, if we have anybody coming in and and tearing something down and it's not constructive, then it's not constructive. But anytime someone has constructive feedback says, you know, this didn't really capture this, or I wish that it looked more like that, or it would have been great if you covered more of this in this way, Mm -hmm. um, then that just helps us moving forward. How about this? Do you work with external agencies? Uh, We do. And issues with uh, managing their process. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I tell this the story of uh, it's, it's pretty typical for agencies to come with a new design and give you three mock-ups and tell you to pick which one it is, or they're delivering content and you're, I guess, to an extent, you become the helicopter executive going, eh, is this <laughs> Me? really? No, never. To what extent are those, are those uh, problems? You know, I don't really think that we have a lot of problems in that area. Um, looking back over my career too, and I've, I've been on the agency side um, and I've also been in-house obviously. Um, and I've also been, I've done consulting on my own. So I feel like I've sat on both sides and also somewhere in the middle. So maybe it's my, my unique position. I feel like I, I see it from both angles. And so for me, what I've learned from that is it seems so obvious. So I think my answer is a little bit boring, but it's true. It's just the need for communication. I think it's far too easy to assume like, oh, well, they're an agency. They should just know. They should just know what we need. They should, you know, wow, this content was awful or this design was just off or their recommendations for keywords are just, gosh, that's not at all what we do. Well, you know, then you need to turn the mirror back at yourself and say either why, why do they think that this is a good fit when it's clearly not? Well, maybe I haven't been communicating clearly enough. And so therefore they're just grabbing at straws and hoping something will work and, you know, we need to communicate better. Or if it really is that bad, then maybe you're not working with the right agency, right? (laughs) And so, you know, you can't expect people to be mind readers. And um, I've been on the agency side, like I mentioned, I remember hanging up the phone with clients and just being like, oh, I have no idea what to do. Like, I, I think that they, they think that, they're, that they are very clearly articulating what they need and we are completely dumbfounded. And um, 
And so, yeah, I think anytime you do run into those issues, you need to say, you need to look at your, just like any part of your life, you need to look at, look at yourself and say, what could I be doing better to avoid this in the future? What about crazy ideas? So you'll have, you have more ideas than people Mm -hmm. and you've got a lot of content that you've got to get out. A lot of campaigns you have to get out. Do you feel like you uh, make quick safe decisions sometimes on your content as opposed to exploring some of the more creative and interesting ideas? I, I like to think, I, I hope, and I hope that, you know, if my team is listening, that they would agree. I think that we do both. Um, I mean, we have, we have things that are a little bit more search oriented, that are a little bit more longer, long tailed, not from the keyword sense, but from the strategy sense where it's like, hey, you know, we've, we've really got to keep kind of hitting on these topics. This is something that we've seen over and over again that has either performed or that we just need to keep kind of keep digging into. And then there's other ones that are either timely or just a fun, creative idea that we want to do. Like we were, um, for our podcast, I, I captured a bunch of interviews at an event that we had in London and I have them on video and, and audio and we're, we're launching both. So we're doing some video and we're doing some audio and we don't have data to back it up. We don't, we're, we didn't get into it to say, Hey, you know, we expect traffic to go up X percent because we're launching video. We're just going to try it out because we just we want to, and we, we feel like based on our marketing brains that it's a good idea. And so I think, I think we're doing both. I feel like we're doing both. And, you know, one thing that somebody said on, on our, on the marketer machine podcast that I loved was that data is awesome. Data is great. Data is fantastic at predicting uh, success, but what about the unpredictable, right? So what about, those creative, like you said, the off the wall, new, innovative ideas, you can't predict those because they're new, right? So you got you to have a nice mix of, of both. I was curious. So we, we talked about the marketing stack. What is your number one favorite marketing tool other than the tools that eMarsys makes? I'm going to be really lame here because I am so about the human element of things that I just, I like meeting with people. Um, and I guess if I have to give you a tool, one thing that helps me do that better is, this is going to be really boring, but um, is Google Drive. Uh, Google Drive, because we are able to cl- collaborate live. You can see who's in it. You can literally, when I'm working remotely or I'm working with somebody else who's remote, like we can actually be in the tool together collaborating on something at the same time. And I can be like, hey, what do you think about, hey, hang on, hey, wait, just, just be quiet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type something. Let me know what you think. And I can be typing something and they can literally see me typing live. And it's like you're whiteboarding together and you can see what they're writing. And it's it's such a simple thing and it's such a boring thing. And I wish that I had come on and been like, there's this really cool app that none of you have ever heard of before. And it's going to blow your minds, but it's uh, Google drive. You know, that's not so crazy because right (laughs) now I am totally geeking out on the Google analytics add-in for Google sheets and to the, to the point where I'm building models for my clients and I'm not going as often to, to the uh, Google analytics reports. Yeah. So uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Well, thank you for validating me because, because <laughs> that's honestly, that's, that's my go-to thing. And it, it does, it makes my work life better. Well, uh, we've, we've talked the entire time here um, and we still don't really know what Emarsis does. You want to well, enlighten us on what, on what, on what you guys do? Sure. So, I mean, in a nutshell, we are a marketing technology platform for um, 
mostly for B2C businesses, uh, retail, e-commerce, travel, um, so on and so forth. And we, we provide tools that help those marketers deliver more personalized experiences to their consumers. And we believe that marketers deserve more than just, you know, empty tools and empty software that, you know, you and I both have opened up in as much as I love Google Drive, right? When you open it up, it's empty. And it's up to you as the marketer or as the user, whatever you may be, to populate it with your own knowledge and your own expertise. So therefore, you're limited to your own understanding, right? And to your own, not only your knowledge of how to use it, but also your knowledge of your job, your industry, the data you have. And so what we're, what we firmly believe is that marketers deserve more. And so what we're working to provide is a platform that not only helps them deliver those personalized experiences and it has some AI elements that over time um, helps them deliver more and more personalized experiences and content and offers to their consumers, but doesn't come empty. It comes with industry-specific data and, and knowledge um, that helps marketers to do their jobs better and focus more on the, the strategy, the content, and the creative. Do you have a good, uh, a good example of how someone's used the tool uh, specifically? So if you're a marketer, um, let's say you're in the e-commerce space, you would get into the Amarsis platform and you would really use it to deliver your omni-channel marketing strategy. If it were me, so I would be able to get into the platform and see each one of my consumers and how they interact with my brand across multiple different channels. So whether that's um, via my app or online in my e-commerce store or with my emails or with my text messages, I can see how they're interacting in all those different channels in one place. And then I, as the marketer, can deliver personalized content to them based on what I know about their behaviors and also based on their context. So it just, it helps marketers to deliver that more omni-channel experience in a way that's consistent and unified um, across different channels and dependent on the user or the, sorry, the consumer's context um, and situation. Yeah. And we've talked about that on this, on this podcast. Context is like the new channel. Um, mm -hmm. I can only know so much about you based on where you're coming from paid search, organic uh, email, social media, et cetera. I have to really understand your context. Um, and the, the yeah. biggest of those of course, is if I'm coming on a small screen, mobile device, a smartphone, it is, it changes everything. And we mm -hmm. optimize those websites as if they were a completely different company because mm -hmm. the results are so different from the larger screens, tablet and desktop. Mm -hmm. So um, yes, it's context is, I don't know if you'd call it new, but the beauty of the data is that we learn a lot about the uh, surrounding circumstances and the journey that uh, uh, clients are, are bringing to a particular visit to one of our digital properties. And, it sounds terribly complex, which is why AI and machine learning is going to have to be a part of that. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's one thing is that I think a lot of marketers feel pressure or like they're expected to understand it all. And I can tell you right now, I, I, I don't um, and I don't need to fully understand the ins and outs of AI and machine learning or data science. I need to know though, what it can do for me and how to apply it to 
what I need to do for my job and what options are available to me right now as far as tools and software to help me do the things that I can do. Um, I just need to know what's possible. Right. And I think a lot of marketers are, are putting a lot of pressure on themselves to fully understand all the algorithms and, and the way that the products work and, and to really, really, really dig into it. And it's awesome. If you do, sweet. <laughs> you are a unicorn. But I think marketers really just need to know what, what's available to them and how, how to use it um, so that they can be more successful. Well, one more question. In your hiring of people for your marketing team, are, is there a skill that you're looking for that maybe you weren't looking for 12 months ago? To me, it's it's much more about, so taking a step back too. So I, within marketing, obviously there's there's many different types of marketing. I mean, there's, there's content. So obviously that person has to be much more into the content side of things. And, you know, they need to have skills around producing and um, publishing content. And then there's more on the field marketing or demand gen or digital marketing side. So it all depends on what you're looking for. So that little kind of prerequisite there. But I mean, to me, the common, the common thread for everybody is, you know, communication, organization, and the ability to see the marketing's role big picture, right? So do they understand, one, the role that marketing plays in the bigger organization? Because I think that with all those specializations, with content marketing, with you know, paid promotion with, you know, so on and so forth. It's really easy to get into a silo and say, nope, I, I do this thing and here's how I contribute to my team. Yeah, but what does that one thing do for the marketing org? What does the marketing org do for the entire brand? What does the brand do for the consumer? So I think the ability to see beyond silos and appreciate the other roles of marketing and the other roles within the organization is huge. And that's a kind of a non-negotiable as far as I'm concerned, as far as all marketers. that are. And I'm going to resist the temptation to dive in on this silo <laughs> conversation because we will be here for another hour. Can be the next podcast. The next podcast uh, <laughs> because it's a, it's a huge, huge issue. Thanks to Lindsay Chepkema, Marketing Director at EMARSS for joining us here on the Intended Consequences podcast. You can check her out at emarsis.com, E-M-A-R-S-Y-S. And she has a podcast, and guess who's on that podcast? Yours truly. Now, when you get back to the office, if you sell stuff online, it's pretty easy to know how much a transaction is worth. You can look it up in analytics easily enough. But what if you generate leads or an email list of subscribers? When you get back to the office, try to put a dollar value on your leads or subscribers. Even if you're an e-commerce business, you must be using an email list. This does not have to be accurate. What you want is a dollar value that you can use to prioritize what you're investing in. It'll require you to look in analytics and possibly the customer relationship management system that your sales team uses. They call that a CRM. This is basically the revenue generated from your website divided by the number of leads or subscribers you generate. It requires you to understand how many leads or subscribers you're generating and then how much revenue you're getting from that. Don't let silos get in the way. If you don't have the real data, find a way to estimate it or guesstimate it. At the end of the day, you'll be able to say, hey, we generated 100 leads last month. That's $2,500 in our pocket. And it'll make it easier for you to decide what to invest in from a traffic generation standpoint. All right, scientists, that's it for this week.